0: Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About Thrones, where we talk about Game of Thrones. And we is almost always, well, you shouldn't use yourself first, but I'm going to. I am Sir Richard of Somewhere I Never Remember Where, and that's kind of my thing. And I am also joined by Sir Anthony. Hello, hello.
1: Hello. Uh, I am going to have to correct you. I believe we had decided that on times when you were driving, you were going to be known as Lord Commander Richard.
0: Ooh, I need to write that down. I like that one. That's yeah, what, that, yeah, yeah. That's what
1: you said last time in the episode from two months ago that I just edited and released last night.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, this is, I don't remember stuff from episode to episode. This is what makes these long serial things really difficult for me. And then, of course, we are also joined by Jenny. Sir Jenny, what are yeah. What Jenny?
2: Yeah, Lady Sir Jenny. Gen- no, Sir, Sir Jenny. Jenny of Stresslandia.
0: Stresslandia. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you always have a life related land that mm-hmm. you are from mm-hmm. each episode. All right. Well, we are talking about episode seven hundred three, the Queen's Justice, and seven hundred four, the Spoils of War. And let me tell you, I, like in this seems to be. The point at which HBO is going to its its mother company, whoever that happens to be from week to week, <laughs> saying, please, sir, can I have some more money? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because holy crap, a lot happened. And I can't imagine these were cheap episodes to produce.
2: Oh, my God. I think you're specifically thinking about one scene. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah it, it's a good yeah. thing the budget has increased with the action. That's all I'm going to say.
0: When yeah, you wonder absolutely. why you don't
2: see a lot of wolves, a lot of dire wolves in this episode, now you know.
0: Yeah. It went to dragons and militia. So, all right, let's start at 7.03 and uh, let's, do you want to follow, who do you want to follow first? John? Or all the crap that is kind of following on from the last episode with Euron? Uh, All the
1: crap. Yeah, you're driving, so let's go with all the crap.
0: All right, let's go with all the crap. Oh, I'm driving, so we start with the crap. I don't know how to take that, Anthony. All right, so last we knew, Euron was capturing people and killing people and acting like the general asshole that he is. And he kind of lures Theon to try and rescue Yara, but Theon doesn't have it in him, so he escapes. And Euron leaves with Yara and with Alaria and Alaria's daughter. And no surprise, he takes them to the queen as a gift. And he and his gifts and his ego all present to Cersei.
1: (laughs) Led by his ego and followed
0: by more ego. (laughs) Holy crap. What? Like if you didn't hate him before and how could you not by now? He just, I, this guy, like, I just can't stand this guy.
2: Euron Greyjoy has a punchable face.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He totally does. He totally does. Yep. So, Crazy, absolutely crazy. So he they're they're in, in tow and Cersei, you know, she decides to have some fun with this, right? So well, if you remember, Alaria is responsible for Marcella's death. So Cersei decides to punish Alaria with the exact same scenario. Mm-hmm.
1: Except she takes it up a notch, though, because instead of having your daughter arrive dead at your feet, she wants Alaria to watch her daughter die and decay and turn to dust. Like, we're going to keep the torches lit so you can watch. We're going to keep you chained to the wall just far enough out of place that you can't touch her. Um, And... Yeah, if you refuse to eat, we will shove food down your throat. You are going to watch. We will force
0: feed you to keep you alive to watch your daughter.
1: Yes, decay. Yeah, it's 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 completely awful. It's completely on point. I I loved it and hated it all at the same time.
0: Yep. Now we don't really know what's going to happen to Yara, though, do we? Mm -mm. No. Nope.
1: Nothing's big mystery.
0: We didn't even really see her. Now, one of the things that we do see much, much, much later, and we might as well get this out of the way, is we get a brief scene where Theon returns to Dragonglass Land. Dragon... Dragon Dragon, Dragonstone. Dragonstone. There we go. He sees John, who really wants to kill him but mm. resists because, you know, saved his sister and all. And he's there because they've returned, they've been defeated, but they need Danny's help to get Yara. <laughs> and yeah. that's that's pretty much it for the Greyjoys.
1: Yeah, that's that's in scene. Yep. That's it.
2: And I would say that these next this uh next couple of episodes is how do you take someone with what seems to be an overwhelming advantage of a navy, an air force, and like literally the marines like the you know the greatest fighting force of all time in the Dithraki uh, or the army I don't know whoever had horses but the the bottom line being how do you system systemically remove those advantages so that she's just not like, "I win and part of it is... Um, tactical but part of it is also moral restraint
0: Mm.
2: which they are definitely using to keep her from just crisping everybody and they take great pains to keep doing that so that the audience is like just go burn everybody alive and be done with it and sit on the throne which i think they do a really good job of just taking things away so that they're no longer the overwhelming force and it all comes back to something very personal with Daenerys. So anyway. You no,
1: know, that's a, that's very accurate, I think. Um, and that continues. This, that's basically what this kind of this season is, but uh, maybe not the whole season, but at least this part of the season, first half of the season is this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is a short season, so they kind of get straight to the, to the point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So I I think I've talked myself into handling the stuff on the periphery and then we can get to the big storylines. So some other stuff on the periphery that started last episode was Sam healing Jorah, or Mm. trying to anyway.
1: Yep, and he's successful.
0: It appears that way. Now...
1: You, You seem to have your doubts, Richard.
0: Yeah, well, I mean... This is going to sound really weird, and perhaps especially coming from me, but the whole time that Sam was working on Jorah, and I really couldn't watch the whole thing with my eyes not shielded, Mm -hmm. because it was really, really graphic and awful, (laughs) I kept on thinking, now Jorah's still wearing his pants...
2: No, Ah. it hadn't reached that far. Let's just say it hadn't reached that far and never speak of this again. (laughs) Because I mean, it it progresses in a logical manner in which he definitely wasn't touching his hands to any other part of his body. And uh, let's never talk of it again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh. Okay. All right, we'll we'll just we'll just pretend that that isn't really an issue. Now, Sam has uh, you know success. We already
2: have one gray worm on this
0: show. Oh, <laughs> duh duh duh.
2: You know I have respectable jobs, and I may not after this episode. Let me tell you what.
0: You just you just uh, yeah, that was great. I, that was great. All right, so. <sighs> <laughs> Sam healed somebody. That's awesome, right? But Sam's afraid that he's going to get in trouble. And, of course, the Archmeister wants to talk to him because he had specifically told him not to do this. But, in fact, he commends Sam. And he re- he rewards him with a bunch of shitty work. Uh, so basically re- saying, good job, but I still kind of have to punish you.
1: It's kind of like you went against the rules. You did a major thing. Those two cancel out. And I'll get back to your your... your- Bottom feeder work. Get back to earning your way. And in th- this time, you got lucky,
2: kid. Yeah,
1: <laughs> really. And, and this time, he's 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 recovering old tombs that are just moldy in this pile on on the uh, archmaster's desk. Like, were you saving these for one be for, for someone new?
0: Like- well, right, <laughs> right. That's what I mean. This is not just his usual work. This is this is. Uh, Again, adding on to really, really crappy work. So I don't know. I I just I I thought that I I felt bad for him. But that wraps up that storyline. Yep.
2: Also, I would like to note that the um, all of Sam's interactions in Old Town are very... You, Sam's journey in Old Town is the one time you definitely see the effect of a shortened season in the I-can-see-the-puppet-strings-of-the-writers-moving kind of way because it's so good. And you could see a full season of this show where it's like everything that happened with Sam, Jorah, the, the Archmaster, everything is like over a whole 10 to 12-episode season, right? And it just it, it unfolds with a lot more elegance. But otherwise... Now it's, like, really almost, like, how I met your mother level shortcuts of, like, <laughs> here is a book that I accidentally have come across. Here is uh the answer to the thing I need to cure this guy. Uh, oh, you did bad, but no time to show your punishment, so here's a lot of books that will also probably become useful. It's just, like – and then you have, like, the very short turn of, like – um, people not listening to Sam and instead of stewing over that and, and worrying and talking to Gilly about it, it's like half a scene instead of the episode where no one listens. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, this is the one probably short changed, um, storyline.
0: I totally see that. In yep. pacing,
2: if not in, cause it's like, otherwise you would just, you would hide the, it's like if you were doing uh, uh, removing of green screen stuff, this is like very broad brush removing as opposed to very fine work where you bury the strings. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: Metaphor. Okay. Sorry. I totally,
0: totally see that. Okay. All right. So that's it for Sam as you just kind of reinforced. So let's go back and talk about a departure. And then let's talk about an arrival. Actually, Mm. we have two arrivals, two reunions, if you will. Mm -hmm. So first we have Varys really kind of finally putting some pressure on Melisandre. This Mm. is
1: one of my favorite scenes because you gain some insight into both Melisandre that you didn't have before. She actually becomes like she she recovers from being this this crappy character that I've just hated the whole time to having some semblance of, of respect and Varys who has gone through and been right so many times and played the game so well. And he's shell shocked by the end of this conversation.
0: Yeah. What what, so what makes you actually respect Melisandre here? I don't see that because
1: she's, she's willing to tell Varys like, you know, you're wrong. I'm going to die on this, on this continent, this blasted continent or whatever just like you like she's she admits her mistake with marine well maybe not as much as i would like her to but she admits her mistake and then she goes and still says still shows that she's got this confidence about her and i was like ah oh, that's that's a genuine moment like yeah i screwed up but i'm going to keep going good
2: it's when two people at the same who started in the same position at life and have spent all their time looking up to climb up, actually talk to each other, is very indicative. And I think it's the one time you really see Melisandra's real character, like her real self. She's like, yeah, buddy, you and I came from the same streets. We each took these different paths. My path led me to the thing that cut your nuts off, so you're not happy with me. But, you know, I think it's fair to uh, say that we know who we are.
0: Okay. All right. So I didn't get somehow in the conversation, I missed that she's responsible for him being a eunuch. She's not, but she's part of the order that was.
2: Yeah, sorry, not her specifically, but like the red people. The reason why Varys is always so hostile. Remember back in Marine when he was like super hostile to the pretty, pretty, pretty red lady? Um, who's probably also just as old underneath her necklace. Uh, and he was super hostile and she kind of schooled him with like her red witch lady knowledge. Um, and then he kind of does the same thing to Melisandra. He's like, don't you red witch me? And she's like, yeah, I know what happened. That he He's very resistant to magic because one of those people took his life in a way.
0: Got it. Okay. So anyway, he basically banishes her and says you probably shouldn't ever return, which is when she has the line where she says, oh, I will be back to die on this continent. I must die on this continent, just like you. And I don't understand that. So our arrival, or at least the first one, is Bran... Returning back to Winterfell.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. And this is
0: th- this
1: the, the the two people that arrive at Winterfell arrive very different ways. And <laughs> Bran's is like, uh, Lady Stark, you got to come see at the gate. You know, come, come, come. And she goes running through, sees Bran, and his only words are, "Hello, Sansa." And like,
2: <laughs> yeah. Talk about like the anti. Talk about taking people as they are. Rather than as you wish they would be. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually I think is a really good metaphor. Like, Bran in a lot of ways has some some uh, uh, familiar behavior patterns uh, for a lot of people. And I think that how people relate to him and deal with him is actually very real world applicable without, like, going into Doctorville. But I do think it's like... Uh, A good metaphor, and I think watching Sansa be like, oh, okay, I, I can't get out of this probably the same hug I got from Jon Snow is fair and a good choice.
0: Well, and I think we see repeatedly in these two episodes that Bran is not the Bran they knew. He is, in fact, claiming to really not even be Bran anymore.
1: Right, because he's he's elevated and uh, ascended so much higher than just the the simple life that was Bran. He's now all the th- all the memories and all the things to be, and he's kind of like this omniscient v- vassal instead of this thirteen-year-old boy that he should be.
0: And so he demonstrates his being something greater. Very quickly to Sansa, by telling her how sorry she is he is for everything she's been through, mm-hmm. and it's a shame because she looked so beautiful at her wedding. Yeah, creepy. It, it, it really, really creepy. It
1: is. I mean, he knew the time. He knew the, the, that it was snowing. He saw her dress. But this is like. This is one of those things where she's she understands that her paradigm is changing. Like, okay, well, Bran isn't, isn't my little brother. He's definitely... Something else is going on here.
0: Yeah. All right, well, another departure. Mira Reed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. decides it's time for her to go. Her brother Jojen is dead, and she can't really help Bran anymore. And the person that looks like brand says to her, you're right.
1: (laughs) I don't need your help anymore.
0: I don't, or yeah, I don't need your help anymore. (laughs) She's like, wait, that's it. Oh, and thank you. (laughs) And and
1: this is one of those things where, I mean, I've encountered this hundreds of times in my life where the emotional balance isn't equal. So, Here's Mira with all this emotional baggage. This boy that she's drug across the frozen lands twice, you know, um, escaped the 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 Night King, uh, escaped the hordes, rode on the horseback of a of a dead man or a deadish man or, or some kind of weird rotting dude, um, taking him all the way down to the wall and then rode with him from the wall down to Winterfell, which is not a small distance, and. His words are, you're right, I don't need you anymore. You're just completely objective. Like, all emotion has died within Bran with all the knowledge that he's gained from everything. Yeah, and
2: like, also what I will say, again, my previous statement stands. It's like, you, a person is now a certain way, and they have to be specifically trained to behave the way people would want them to behave. and And also, like... Uh, trauma expresses itself in different ways. Like you can see him be a little warmer to his sisters. Right. Mm -hmm. But like the person with whom he went through all this trauma, like he was just like, yeah, bye. Okay. Bye. So
0: are we to assume that as a result of all of this, that they went through other than just this bond between friends where the correct thing to happen here might have been some emotion and embrace that she might actually be in love with him or something? Or am I reading too much into that?
2: I think it's open for debate. I I think it's a fair, like, wouldn't you be? for might be.
1: For for me, it's just a matter of having gone through something very traumatic for an extended period of time. Several Mm -hmm. years they went through this ordeal together. And you're saying goodbye on something, probably the most important thing you've ever done in your life. And the other person that made it through it with you, the other survivor, isn't showing that they are going to miss you or that you know that they really appreciate all that you put forth and the you know anything else like your value. Your brother
2: died. Right. Yeah, the brother died. Like, jeez. Yeah. You
1: know? So I think yeah. it's more okay. It's it's more of a a, a expected survivor um, a group mentality, and it's not returned because Brand okay. is on to other things. He's like he's already gone down his other path. That's cool. He said goodbye a long time ago.
0: Yep. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. All right. Um, So that's a departure. Then I'm going to have an interlude here before we talk about our next reunion. The interlude is this awesome and weird little scene where Littlefinger gives Bran the Valerian steel dagger.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The one meant to kill him, the one that he claimed what he lost it to Tyrion, who somehow he still ends up with and has.
0: Huh, funny about that. And mm. he gives it to Bran, who really doesn't really know what he's going to do with it or why he's getting it. And he basically says, you know, your life or Littlefinger says to him something along the lines of, you know, your life must be kind of in upheaval now You end up leaving and then you come back to a completely different world in chaos. And Bran says to him something that he has never witnessed in person, Littlefinger, saying chaos is a ladder. (laughs) Remember
2: how many times I said that last episode?
0: Yes, and that's the only reason why I caught it there you go. this time
2: around. You're very welcome. And, and that comes <laughs>
1: that comes from the from the conversation of Varys and uh, Littlefinger. Was it Varys and Littlefinger? Littlefinger and and uh, uh, Ned Stark. I
0: can see that being Varys. Oh, was it Ned Stark? It was
1: one of the two it was in the throne room with no one else around. I I know that, but it was either Varys or Ned Stark, and no one else was there. Yeah,
0: I could see this being with Varus actually.
1: And uh, and, and you notice how Bran, especially the way they cut it. Here's a little production note for you. They cut it so that Bran is looking directly at the camera, therefore looking directly at the viewer. And he says it without missing a beat. Like maybe a half a millisecond has passed by since Littlefinger finishes his sentence before Bran cuts in and says the line, you know, chaos is a ladder. It's very impactful immediately, visually and audibly. And it's like, yes, this is important.
0: And Littlefinger reacts to that because he immediately realizes there's no way he should know that I've said that or that I think that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But doesn't catch the snap of the larger implications. Right. Which is interesting. Right. Right. Does not catch the snap,
1: and, and this is really the first time we see Littlefinger on the defensive without twisting it around back into an offense. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know he doesn't know he this is not something he planned on. This is not something he had in his millions of different ways of seeing the world and who's attacking whom from where. And like he had this is this is the first time he's completely blindsided by an event.
2: It's magic. The those who traffic in earthly things often have trouble with the concept of like what they would view as magic.
1: So Peter's a muggle. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Okay. Um all right, so
0: let's talk about our next arrival or reunion. While we had a brief uh not not even really medley of scenes or montage, but just like one quick scene demonstrating that Sansa is in charge now, and she seems to be pretty at home in that role. Meanwhile, her other sister, Arya, arrives at the gate, and she's greeted by some idiot guards who mock her and tell her to go F off, because she's clearly not the dead younger sister of the lady here. Right.
1: And this goes back to...
2: How we treat boys versus how we treat girls. (laughs) (laughs) I am. Here comes this grand... A kid on a sled with some other girl, and he must definitely be the brother. But, oh, who's this little girl? Oh, she could definitely not be a princess. Sorry.
0: I am 100% sure that has a lot to do with it. Because imagine (laughs) this scene, if she came in without asserting herself. Imagine this scene, if she had come asking for assistance or (laughs) to... To assist. Mm-hmm. But no, she comes in with a claim and she's a woman. So no, 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 no.
1: Yeah. Um, so back when uh, P- Hot Pie and Gendry and um, Arya were I believe they were escaping uh, together. I told you, well, pay attention to the scene because she's going to find a way out regardless of what happens and it's going to come back in season seven. And this is that scene. Somebody tries to deny her access to something that she wants. And she gets it, this time not through will of of sword, but through will of mind. She plays them against each other, and she plays them against themselves, and she gets in, and then they look off in the distance because they're trying to make some plans because they're not sure what to do, and she disappears; She's gone.
0: Out of here. Yep. Yep, she's gone. And so they try to grovel to Lady Sansa, but Lady Sansa's a little bit smarter, and she understands that, you know what? this is probably actually Arya, And if it is, I know where she is. And so she goes and she has a reunion with her in the catacombs. Mm
1: -hmm. Speaking of a tepid reunion, Mm -hmm. like she goes down there and Arya is completely defense, defensive. Um, Sansa doesn't know exactly how to, how to approach it. Like she just wants to hug her sister, but then she wants to make sure it's her sister. And, this is this is a a tepid reunion.
2: How do Starks reunite very carefully.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no that's absolutely true. Eventually they embrace, but they have to feel each other out. They have to you know, kind of you know find some common ground and so they have some interesting conversation. We we hear of the list again mm-hmm. and uh that's as it, well and he, so here's here's something that i particularly noticed that joffrey is dead and Arya says i am i'm glad to hear that joffrey's dead and um he, she says did you kill him asking sansa did you kill him because that's what she's heard, of course, and she says no. And then when she, when she said, "Sorry," then Arya says, "I'm sorry. I didn't get to kill him. He was always the first name on my list."
2: I just love that. Yep. Everybody's got some catching up to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And
1: and, and yeah. keep in mind, Sansa doesn't. She's like, well, what list? And they're like, well, no matter how uh, – the, all the people I'm going to kill. And Sansa kind of blows it off. Like, oh, this is just my little sister being flamboyant, you know. She's just being a little extra right now. And mm-hmm. then when she goes and talks to Bran, and Bran's like, uh, he's on her list. like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, I, I illegally peeked into her mind, and I can confirm that –
0: yeah, exactly. I love that. All right. Well, Bran, who suddenly has the strength in his arms to wheel himself up an outdoor bumpy hill to the tree in a ramshackle made wheelchair. Sorry, I had a hard time believing that. I bet but someone whatever. put him there.
2: I bet someone wheeled him there. That okay, I guess.
0: All right, that I'm better with that. I'm better with that because I'm like, really? You got there by yourself up the hill on the bumps in that thing and you just got it? I'm not believing it. Yeah. So, you know, I don't just give him the benefit of the doubt. I assume that they're just trying to blow one over on us. But your your explanation makes more sense. And when they are reunited, then he, yeah, he gives acknowledgement of this list. Mm-hmm. And again, you kind of get this sense that Sansa's like, oh, what that was real? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other thing, the other
1: thing I want to point out about this scene in particular, when Bran gives her the dagger, she's like, "Do you sure you don't want it?" It's Valerian steel. He's like, "It's wasted on a cripple," and he hands it to her. And the look on his face after he hands her the the, the Valerian dagger is, "Okay, I've just made that happen." That's that's affirmative. I
2: already know what you're gonna do with this. Yes. is the look he gives her, like,
1: yeah, like the, you know. He, and, and he's he's like, uh, I, he looks like he just put a triumphant piece on the chessboard. Mm-hmm. Is what it looks like, so.
2: Um, can I say one other thing about that? Remember when um, uh, Brand tried to tell Littlefinger who the thing belonged to originally? So, like, uh, in that scene with Littlefinger... Brand says, you know, it's interesting because this knife originally belonged to, and I think Littlefinger cut him off. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so interesting because it basically was like someone in the past had this knife and it's entirely possible. Like, I wanted to go back and look at the scene where the white uh, walker, OG white walker has his heart. Because <sighs> like, what if that's that knife?
1: Mm-hmm. Well the the, hmm. the the one that the one that stabbed into the original white walker was uh dragon glass. So
2: Oh, it was pure dragon glass. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what if that got oh so Valerian still... it's different. Okay. Yeah. But so like the question is who did that knife originally belong to and how will it become significant? Is my question.
1: Uh yeah. Because it's been alluded to before. Yeah. In in at, at uh uh Old Town in the Citadel Mm -hmm. when when Sam is flipping through a book he turns upon a page that has that dagger in it and then flips it through
2: Mm -hmm. Sam is sort of like the Wikipedia double check for all these characters at this point (laughs) (laughs) hold on wait where did I see that knife before oh yeah covering our bases yep 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 it's like uh, uh, the Game of Thrones writers having less seasons to say the knife is important
0: (laughs) fewer seasons
1: (laughs) Okay, so they go back into the ke- the keep itself. They leave the garden, uh, and head back into the keep. And Brienne and Podrick are playing swords.
0: Love this, love this because I didn't see what was about to happen coming at all. And so Arya comes out and sees them. Meanwhile, Sansa and Littlefinger are watching all of this as, as. Pod and Brienne are fighting, and then Arya comes out, and and Arya says, "I haven't practiced trained in yes. a long time, and I would like to train with you." And Brienne is a little bit resistant, but you know, acknowledges and and agrees, and so they go right at it, and we have first of all some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful exchange exchanges of words, mm-hmm. so. We see Brienne telling Arya that, well, that sword is too small. And Aria says, I won't cut you. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> yeah, the absolute <laughs> confidence in, in Aria is just am- This is full-blown Aria 3.0. This is it. You know, I've been promising this yeah. for a while. We are now there. She is, She's oh, yeah. become.
0: So she's training, huh? Is she training or is she demonstrating? Not quite sure what to take of that. Yeah. So they tussle.
2: That's like a major league ball player happening to show up at like swings a lot and being like, hey, I could take a few swings with the bat in this childlike batting cage. Hey, let me, uh, I'm not very good. Let me try this.
1: Originally, keep in mind, originally when uh, when she challenged Brienne, Brienne says, well, I can go get the master of of training or whatever. And, Mm And she's like, he didn't beat the hound. You did. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's got goals. She knows what she's going for. She's not She's not willing to deal with the middling people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is just an amazing sword fight. And also keep in mind that entire time Arya is swinging her sword left handed because Arya is left handed. Mm hmm. Maisie Williams is right handed. <gasps> no way. Yeah. She had to train specifically for months to be able to do the sword play left handed. That's kind of amazing.
0: That is just fantastic. Okay, I did not know that. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so fantastic scene. Again, with Littlefinger and Sansa looking on, each of them having quite different expressions on their faces. Littlefinger kind of looks uh, intrigued by all of this. Sansa looks a little bit concerned and horrified. that her sister is quite as good as she is, although, quite frankly, I think she should be excited about this, because they need some good fighters, damn it!
1: Yeah. (laughs) The the key here is, though, Arya is just as good at fighting as Sansa is at leading. They've both gone into the roles they were meant to go into, and done so exceptionally well.
0: So they basically end at a uh, stalemate, I guess I would say, where they could potentially kill each other. Aria ending with a great finale of pulling out that dagger mm-hmm. and putting it at Brienne's neck. And so she says, who taught you how to do that? Brienne asks of Arya, and Arya cleverly answers, no one.
1: With a huge smile on her face.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, our little murder baby has come home. <laughs>
1: Well, now she's, she's, got a, she's got, what, like 30, 40 deaths uh, piled up that uh, aren't uh, accounted for yet, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Because you remember, yeah. she killed the entire Frey family, and they weren't, uh, they weren't singled out by the, the Faceless God yet, so there, there could be some issues there, but we'll go.
0: All right. I think we have everything cleaned up now except for John.
2: My name is John Snow. I'm on Dragonstone. I'm making new friends. I'm making amends. My name I'm not is Jon Snow. am bending my knee. Yeah. I'm not bending <laughs> the knee. I got something for you to see. It's all going well. Then it goes to hell. Okay. Oh, keep going. wow.
0: Holy crap. Damn. You are so good at this. All right. So uh, we have a lot of conversations between Jon Snow and Davos. They arrive at Dragonstone. Um, John sees his first dragon. That's a very exciting moment. He's kind of overwhelmed by that a little bit. But when he sees Daenerys, he is not willing to bend a knee. Oh, by the way, not a surprise. That's not why I'm here. (laughs) I am here because I need your help. I came to ask you for your support, not the other way around. Then he asks am I your prisoner if I don't help you? And Danny says, not yet.
1: Yeah.
2: Let's let's go back and dive in a little bit of this. Yes. Uh, All right. Because things that are happening on that stairway, let alone like the beach scene is a little bit pro forma. It's like, hey, remember me? Yeah, I remember you. Um. Yeah. All that's good, but when they get on the stairs, just things are so epically both awkward and foreshadowy. Amazing. So basically, um, they are walking up the stairs, and and uh, D- Davos is trying to do what he does with everybody. who's loving I'm just a casual man, make friends, and Miss Sunday is kind of like mm mm. Uh. So that's conversational round one. Conversational round two between Tyrion and John is amazing, and really what's amazing is exactly when the dragon shows up and what John has just said before. Anthony, do you have it? I do not. Okay. I don't have it either. But basically he says, well, basically Tyrion says something to the effect of, like, I'm not really a Lannister anymore. And John says, well, I'm no Stark or something. It's something of that nature. And then coincidentally and oddly, this dragon just... Roars Ooh. overhead and knocks him to the ground.
1: I do remember and, that. Yeah,
2: yes, and it's uh, what I want on YouTube is a compilation of everybody's dragon face, which <laughs> is the fa- <laughs> the face that everybody <laughs> makes the first time they see a dragon. Because John's is pretty priceless. It's just like, like it's a good dragon face. So, uh, but yeah, I, uh, you should note that moment. It's like. um they keep having these moments. I'm going to leave it alone for now, but later we're going to talk about them.
0: Yeah. Mm. All right. All right. So, yeah, sorry. I did kind of rush through that scene. We do get to the throne room. We do get to this kind of uh, power play between John and Danny, which is interesting because John's not really there to play power, he's there to appeal to her better nature and to ask for assistance and she's like no i need your allegiance, allegiance and then we'll talk and he tries to just with his body language approach her again not in a threatening way but her people are immediately you know stepping to stand by her and defend mm-hmm. her So you have these two these two people who approach leadership and ruling in two very different ways, Mm -hmm. and and we'll get to this a little bit later. But you know, John, they ultimately have to work together, right? They like they're they're going to have to figure out how to make this work. So we see this, like I said, John's going to stay there for a while. He, He. he is kind of slightly threatened by Danny suggesting that he's kind of hostage there. But is he really? And so he and Tyrion end up talking a little bit. I wrote in my notes, Tyrion and John brood together on the cliffs of the British Isles, because that's got to be where they shot this, isn't it? I mean, <laughs>
2: the,
0: this is... This just didn't look like anything that we've seen before. Dragonstone,
2: hell of a set. Hell yeah. of a live location. Hell of a live location. You, have you seen what the walls look like? And I don't know how much of that is real and how much is CGI. Holy smokes.
1: Tyrion goes out there and he says, uh, I came out here to brood over my my failure to see the Greyjoy attack, or Euron attack on, on the fleet. But you look much, so much better brooding than I do. Now I'm brooding about my lack of ability to brood properly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, real quick on the throne room. Did you notice the camera angles?
0: Yeah. No, the camera angles.
1: You have two primary cameras. You have the one that is that is facing John with Davos standing behind him and they're on basically even, even ground. And then you have the one on Daenerys and it's almost like an up close macro shot of her face. She's looking just off camera and she, it's from below, so you have to. You're basically looking up out of her uh, right chin, and it's just, it's not a flattering view. It's a very, it's a superior angle for her, and makes you feel little watching it. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, very okay. different shots because John, you've got body language and everything else. With Danny, you've just got her face.
0: Right, right, yeah, okay, all right, I got that. So Tyrion's trying to figure out, all right, well, what what can we do here to make things work? Because he's always, you know, the, the guy who ha- needs to have a plan. And he usually comes up with good plans, but unfortunately, his plans are often, um, I don't know, uh, preempted? Let, but we'll talk about that a little bit more soon. But he does ask John, what is it that you really need? What could we do for you? And... He takes that suggestion back to Danny, which is that John needs Dragon Glass, mm-hmm. and Tyrion says, "Why not give it to him? Why not make this gesture and give them the Dragon Glass that he says is under this mountain? What would that hurt? We're, we have no need for it.
1: We didn't even know it was there until just now."
0: Right. Right. So, so yeah. I, I. And so, apparently, she agrees to let that happen. So, she lets John's men mine for dragonglass. And as they're mining, they find things. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, I would like to take a moment just to, before we get into the plot of it, appreciate a thing that starts in this episode, which is the arc of two people learning to trust each other. And it's so important. It starts in the first episode, continues to the second. Like for such a short season, this is clearly the arc that they focused on the most in this whole Series for obvious reasons, these are the two people with the most power, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Other reasons, TBD. But, like, look at where they start with their backs up, like, literally everybody's backs up, no knees, threats of death, you're not really a prisoner, but you're a prisoner, brr, bur brr. And then the careful work that Tyrion and others do to move them in the correct direction of working productively together. And then the two dum-dums in charge catch the snap and start to give each other a little more care and consideration. And I think this is just one of my favorite arcs ever in the whole show.
1: Yeah, and this is almost solidified as um, they come out of the cave because apparently there's a message. They come out of the cave and Tyrion's there saying, you know, giving providing the news that the the fleet has been destroyed by Euron and uh and, or that uh, the Greyjoy uh grey worm has taken Casterly Rock and that the fleet that took him there was destroyed by Euron. Um Danny wants to go and burn everybody again. She just wants to burn the whole world and she is you know, Tyrion has said no, that's not a good thing. And she turns to John and asks, John, what would you do? And I and Even now, I don't know if this is her probing him to see what kind of leader he is and how he would use the power that she has if he had it, or if she's genuinely looking for uh, guidance from a a, a fellow warrior. But either way... I see
0: this as her softening to to, to try to trust him, to at least hear what he has to say, she doesn't know what he might offer, mm-hmm. but see if he has anything valuable and if it's something that she could trust in. That's how I saw that. But let's back up a little bit and go into the cave before we come out of it, okay? Because in the cave that John takes, uh, that John takes Daenerys into to see, we see tons of dragon glass in this enormous and you think that's it right like this this big reveal of this huge cave with tons of dragon glass and like you're like wow and you know that's amazing oh but wait there's more
1: yeah john literally says there's more this way
0: <laughs> like.
2: let me show you something really special <laughs>
0: So they go deeper into the caves where he shows her glyphs that the children of the forest had drawn on the cave walls. Mm-hmm. And the glyphs show all these symbols that you seem to care about and I really just don't. And the glyphs show pictures of the children and of men and of men with weapons. Mm-hmm. And then he shows Danny that it also shows the white walkers
2: dum, dum, dum.
1: yeah, the blue eyes, the white skin, even the 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 crystallized thorns of the ice or the the night king's crown. It's all just detailed enough that you know exactly what it is.
0: And the story that these tell, or at least as John wants you and her to believe. Mm-hmm. Is that the children of the forest and men who were enemies ultimately fought together to fight the common enemy of the White Walkers. Right.
2: Here is my convenient object lesson. It is on a wall. Right. It is here for you. Hello, writers. Right. How are you? <laughs>
1: So, yeah, and, exactly. and this is, this scene is why I kept telling you to pay attention to these circles, the patterns and things like that, because they've been around a long time. We don't, we still, as of yet, going into season eight, don't know what they mean or if they have any significance. But now that you've seen this cave, you can kind of go back and look and, oh, these have been sprinkled throughout the series. Anytime the, the children of the forest or the White Walkers have been mentioned, there's been symbolism such as this. So this is definitely something that, that ties everything together. And it has a pivotal point here in helping Danny understand that John isn't just blowing smoke up her ass.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, and so it's after that, after they emerge, when we see Danny solicit guidance from John, whatever her motivation is, Mm -hmm. whether it's because she's softened now a little bit or whether it's because she has, um, you know, she's testing him or she just really needs some help. And she wants to get as much input from the advisors around her as she can. She says, I will fight with you, John, but you still have to bend a knee. Yeah.
2: It's all about that knee, about that knee. You'll bend it. I mean, really, like this is the phrase that gets the most use in this season.
0: And that actually annoys me Mm -hmm. because – while I like a lot about what Danny is doing, and she repeatedly seems to make smart decisions here, it bugs me that she is hell-bent on the symbolism of people dedicating themselves to her as the queen.
2: It's like when you think your family's super important and people pay attention to family stuff. Like I'm really the right ruler of this country, and you should acknowledge that. And everybody's like, "Where you been? You got to earn it." And that's the process that she goes through in this, and the process that John goes through in this is like, "Listen, you're you're dealing with somebody with three dragons. You need to adjust your approach, and you can't just expect people to believe your word." You know.
0: So it's I don't know if you just very intentionally set me up there or not, but the last kind of scene that we have in this story of John is John talking with Davos again and we get and this is why i had to get this in jenny i'm sorry we get yet another wonderful less and fewer joke in there i love it with with john correcting davos again this time it was john instead of stannis correcting him
2: <laughs> just the best
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he has fewer men, not less men. And then they learn from masunde kind of together why everyone follows Danny.
1: Right. Cause they, they choose to, it's by choice.
0: And that she has demonstrated to them repeatedly that she is worthy of her claim and that they are all there because they believe in her.
1: Yep. Yep. Um one other thing that I that from Dragonstone, uh Missandei admits that she has feelings for Grey Worm to Danny. It's almost a almost a throwaway thing, but it it, it almost strengthens their, their relationship because now the trust is going both ways.
2: It's like a girl yeah. chat.
0: Well, it is, and that almost bothered me a little bit, because it, it struck me, the way they handled it made it seem like girl talk, and I I kind of didn't like that they presented, first of all, that they presented that as a thing, but then also that they presented it in a way that just seemed like, I I, I don't know, like, hallway conversation.
1: Yeah.
2: I I liked it.
0: I know because you're not really all that interested in Grey Worm or Miss (laughs) Sunday.
2: No, I liked it because again, I'm sorry. I am going to harp on the shortened season a little. You would have seen four more of those scenes because the, the relationship between Miss Sunday and Daenerys is underdeveloped. And I'm actually a female friendship, independent of the direct plot of the movie Is some progress in this world, right? So even though I don't, I'm not invest. I'm more invested in Miss Sunday than Miss Sunday and Grey Worm, but I'm, I'm really invested in female friendships and how you talk about this. And I was just like, yeah, that's entirely on point. And I would have taken the time to do that.
0: Cool. All right. All right. I'll give you that. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. And I think that is it for our John story, which leaves us really with.
1: The end of
0: the... A whole bunch... Uh, well, I, I mean, there's two things going on here, right? There's a whole bunch of militia stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And we get one scene where we have what was probably one of their least expensive uh, military battles mm-hmm. to shoot. Because we get there when it's all over. And we have another scene where we're there before it even happens. So let's back up. Let's go into this. And this, I think we need to do chronologically for it to make any Any sense sense. at all. So
1: we, we, we really need to go back to um, Cersei goes to Jamie after she takes care of Ilaria, And the next morning she's got a, a meeting with someone from Bravos. She goes down and finds out that the iron bank of bravos has sent a dignitary to reclaim the monies that uh that the crown owes the iron bank
2: and not oh just, okay you're
0: talking about a different kind of going down
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and not just any dignitary but the writer and creator of many good doctor who's and Sherlocks, and also the actor who plays Mycroft Holmes in the latest Sherlock series, none other than himself, Mark Gaddis. <laughs> uh,
1: Mark Gaddis
0: wants his money. Yes. So Yes. So he he obviously uh had an impact on Cersei because Cersei then goes to persuade Jamie.
1: Yeah. And now we find why Grey Worm had such an easy time at Casterly Rock because Jamie is taking the Lannister forces to Highgarden.
0: Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna just gloss over the sex part there. Uh, you know, I mean,
2: we know what this is.
0: Well, I already alluded to yeah. it, right? So we don't have to we don't have to go back. There. We don't need also, to go down a, that route.
2: A, yeah, it's also important for other reasons. TBD,
0: upcoming. Okay. So, yes. So, Tyrion uh, basically does convince Danny that, in you know, Danny really, really wants to attack Euron's fleet, Mm -hmm. wants to burn them up because you know they're wooden ships, and she has dragons. (laughs) Dragons could burn wooden ships, but Tyrion again warns her against that because he knows that there's a weapon. And he knows that just kind of going and attacking isn't necessarily the best way to handle things yet. So he suggests instead that they attack Casterly Rock and that they can get into Casterly Rock. And it just so happens that he knows how. Because he designed the sewer system. Right. Because, you know, the little imp was given the crappiest job available literally the crappiest job available. So he ends up helping them figure out how to get in and to attack Casterly Rock. And they do. Mm -hmm. They attack Casterly Rock very easily, apparently. And, you know, they think they're doing okay, but then they're like, wait a minute, where are the rest of the Lannisters? Oh and by the way if you look over your shoulder those are our ships on fire being attacked by Euron's fleet.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. that's a uh, that's
0: not that's not so good.
1: But then Yeah, let's get back to where are all the soldiers?
0: <laughs> where are all the soldiers? That's that's really weird. So the 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 other soldiers Basically, uh, uh, we, we are told that the other soldiers have uh, attacked at Highgarden and killed everybody there mm-hmm. because we arrive when that's all happened, when that's all done. Well, it does show Olenna
1: Tyrell looking out her window of her chamber, and you can see the Lannister army perfectly formed and you know in, in battle stance and everything else just outside.
0: Oh and right! Then, Before they, yeah, get then there. it
1: cuts to Jamie basically trouncing through the High Garden and making his way to Olenna's room, and he comes in there into into her chamber, and she's basically she's just calm and collected, being Olenna Tyrell. So is it done yeah. then? It is.
0: Yes, <laughs> it is, and this is an amazing scene in so many ways. So we have this we have this calm, collected woman who. Is, you know, also, by the way, still in black because her whole family is dead because of his sister. Now he has killed everyone around her, and she knows that she is going to be next. She is going to get killed here. Mm -hmm. He comes in and shows her great deference, even though he knows he has to kill her. Mm-hmm. Like, he's incredibly polite. He's gentlemanly. He provides... He he shows how he is going to kill her with poison and puts it in a glass for her to drink. She asks, is this going to be painful? And he says, no, I made sure it wouldn't be. Again, we j It's just this this bizarre play with him, where we're seeing like a kinder, gentler Jamie that's almost begrudgingly having to come and do all this stuff, but he knows he has to, so he's serious about it. Well,
1: I think this is Jamie understanding this is the game. Elena played her best game; she lost, but she played her best game. She played, you know, all the rules that he the, the same rules that he had he came out as the victor in this situation and he respects that in her. She didn't, you know, she wasn't being all crazy or anything else. There's no reason for, for any extra violence or, or anything else. It's just, we played the game. You lost. It's time for your, your token to leave the board.
0: And so she takes it with dignity. She guzzles the entire glass of poison. Mm. And then responds to him saying that it wouldn't be painful by saying, "Oh, I'm so glad. I would hate to die the way Joffrey did." That's not well. There's more conversation in there, but ultimately she says, "That's not how I intended it yeah. to be."
1: Yeah, and then her her final words, because this this shakes Jamie. He's like, "Wait, wait, what?" Um,
0: right. Well, basically she says, "Tell Cersei." I mean, she y- yes. she wanted Cersei to know that it was her who yeah. killed her tell, son, tell Cersei. tell Cersei.
1: I want her to know it was me. And with, Jan- with that, Jamie turns around and walks out.
0: A, I might say a broken man. I mean, I I think that was a blow he absolutely did not expect. He didn't see that coming. Here he is trying to pay her respect and treat her with dignity in the end. And she's been the mastermind behind this all along right i mean this is by the way the thing for which your brother was nearly killed and had to escape to avoid death for yep yeah
1: well that's high garden
0: (laughs) so jamie's jamie's like jamie's really in a funk yeah but you know he has debts to pay so it's time to and here's i mean Within the first scene, the significance of the title of episode 704 is clear. Mm. The spoils of war. They are there now to collect their spoils of war. Jamie is going to pay his debt to Bronn, gives him a big bag. Bronn's not happy. He's like, what about the castle? I need a castle. How about this one? You don't want this one. There'll be many castles for you. Okay, fine. I really wanted to be done with this now. Oh, you will be, but we need your help still. We're not done yet. In the meantime, we're going to go and get all of the food from the land here because, well, we'll talk about why because in a minute. But, uh, you know, we did just defeat them. So let's get everything that they own. Here's my cart full of gold that's going to pay the bank back. And you, Bron, would be perfect to help me, oh, I don't know, instill some fear in some farmers. Yeah.
1: he begrudgingly takes the task, but he's like, that's below me, but can't deny that he'd be good at it.
0: Well, and I would argue that he begrudgingly, um, he begrudgingly, I, I think takes the task is the wrong thing. I think he begrudgingly accepts the order. I think he sees it as, as he has no choice. Like if he wants what he wants, If he wants to get what he wants, then he is going to have to play by Jamie's rules now. Right. It's time to
1: fall in line if you want to be part of the big kids club.
0: So uh, we did see this big, huge cart of gold. The cart of gold we learn in just, you know, a, a, a quick scene after that is that that, in fact, is the repayment to the Iron Bank that they have all the money and the IR Bank is a little bit frustrated by this because they're like, well, we're not used to getting paid back it all at once. <laughs> so quickly, we're going to lose that interest now. What else could we do for you? <laughs> How else and, could we help you? <laughs> and, and Cersei
1: says, well, uh, we've already sent an inquiry to the um, the Golden... Was it the Golden Swords?
2: Uh, the, golden the Golden Company. The Golden Company.
1: Yeah, the Golden Company. Uh, And they're like, oh, that sounds expensive. She's like, it is. Will you be needing help with that? I will.
0: (laughs) Oh, and by the way, let's have this conversation while we walk on the map of the land I will conquer.
1: Yeah, yeah. The mural is complete, and uh, that's where they're at. Now, we know some time passes between this and the next time we see Jamie because they have summarily acquired all of the food, all the food stores, all the wheat and everything else.
0: They have carts and carts and carts, many, many wooden vehicles full of food that they need to then take back. And we also learn that the significance of this food isn't just that they are stealing from the land that they just conquered, but they are also taking food from their enemies, they are taking food that their enemies would need were it available to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if there's any kind of uprising, they're not going to have the food stores. The, their enemies are basically going to be concentrating on surviving the winter instead of attacking the Lannisters.
0: And so it all seems to be going fairly well.
1: They get the gold ushered into, Castor, or into, into King's Important Landing.
2: Important
0: note
1: yeah the gold makes it.
0: <laughs> you know I missed that piece of it, so I'm glad that you brought that up that somehow I completely missed that. yep but they have um, the food. the food is still so- kind of in transit and
2: the men yes. in the metal bodies, yeah in their metal shell and.
0: and-
1: and here's the other thing, though. If they've gotten the gold into King's Landing and it's safe and secure, that means they're outside the gates of King's Landing. They're right outside King's Landing. Mhm.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that makes... Yeah. Uh, that Again, I didn't quite understand that, 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 but that makes sense. That
1: little throwaway line is a double... Uh, uh, it's, it has two meanings, and if you don't catch him, then it, it takes a lot of the substance out of this next scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, let's cut back to Theon when Theon landed on Dragonstone, he's like, "I need Danny's help to get Yara, and they tell her, "Yeah, but um Danny's not here right now, and why wouldn't Danny be there? She just had all these conversations where she was pissed off. she really just wanted to go burn everybody and you know just just put an end to this and take control, but again, her Advisors want her to have a plan, she asked for John's help, and that's the last we saw of her.
1: And but as And and we, we end up with a, an, an artifact of the shortened season once again where the middling steps between there aren't shown when they normally would have been. The conversations in the map room and everything else. Danny has taken the Dothraki Horde and Drogon to Westeros.
0: uh, uh yes. Uh actually Drogon or I wrote down uh, Dracarus.
2: No, Dracarys. no, that's a word you say when you want to burn people up.
0: Oh, yeah. oh, see, I was confused Dr- by that. You'll
2: you'll get to know it pretty well this season.
0: <laughs> Dracarus is, uh,
1: is 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 uh, old Valerian for dragonfire,
2: burning, yeah, something it. to that
0: effect. Got it. Okay,
1: and, and she right. first used it against the slavers when they when they had. Uh, uh, they had Drogon by the chain. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. when she first said it.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of this scene.
0: This was a wonderful scene because we have Jamie and his men kind of just, I, I don't know wh- why they were milling about, but they were milling they about. Won. And
2: they're taking their time, they're heading on yeah. back. They're, you know, and like that, that references what uh, douchey dad Tarly says, which is, I should whip them. And uh, then it's kind of like, no, maybe just tell them to move faster. And then there's this, just this wonderful moment when they're, uh, Bron and Jamie and I think Dick and Tarly are talking and they're teasing Dick and, and then all of a sudden like that moment where like you hear something and the way that Bron's head turns and he just does this like blurp, is so fabulous because it's such subtle acting To be like, oh, I'm in the middle of doing this teasing. And then all of a sudden, like, what the hell is that? And it's the Dothraki.
0: Oh, yeah. And we hear for the longest time without seeing anything, we just hear the hooves. Mm -hmm. And we hear it and we hear it and we hear it. And we're looking at an empty hillside, a huge expanse of a hillside. And eventually we see... Just how far away that hillside really is because it is lined by these it'sy bitsy little people and horses along this enormous stretch of land. Yeah.
1: It's it's massive. It's impressive. The
2: and the other thing too is like um don't like you'd think you look at this battle and you see this whole battle and you think to yourself, damn, so this is the episode they spend all the money. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that because, man, they spent, they all, the spent all the money. I mean, this was insane. So Jamie gets his forces ready to defend against them. They they realize that they're being attacked, and they the horses are charging to them, and they're prepping, and it looks like this is going to be just a crazy crazy battle where they're just going to hit up against the line and uh, craziness will ensue. But then we hear the flapping of wings in the air. (laughs) We
1: hear the flapping of money flying out the window of the budget. Yep,
2: yep.
0: (laughs) and in in what what is kind of presented as in significantly strategic moves, Danny comes in and first of all, breaks the line for her people mm-hmm. by having the dragon fire on the line and and basically break the line so that they can get through. and then, you know that now we have all of this craziness of different scenes where people are—they're
1: either burning, they're running, they're trying to gather more people, they're trying to reform the line. Uh, the 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 Dothraki charge in; they're charging over the shields. They're not even like worried about the spears and shields. They're just going straight through, Z- zero fear in their in their mind.
0: Right, right, and and everybody's fighting. Right, like they they seem. Fairly well matched to, at this point mm-hmm. where they're fighting each other and there are some casualties on both sides. And then we have a couple key moves. Again, Danny on the dragon goes and destroys all of the wagons that held all of the spoils that they had recovered, yeah. all of the, all the food. The food. Yeah. So now she has denied her enemy access to all of that food as well.
1: Yep. And this is also one of the scenes where you see just how large the Lannister army was because just, just as the Dothraki coming over the hill, it's this massive force coming over from far away, and it's huge. As they're going through the line, you can see just a constant line of Lannister army uh, formed up, ready to receive the Dothraki. And it's actually fairly impressive they got that many people.
0: Well, and again I wonder if this was CG was this an ILM quality kind of thing because it looked so so good.
1: Yeah, and this scene it, now as far as I as far as I remember has the or had the record for the most uh, stuntmen on fire at one time.
2: Can't top that.
0: Oh yeah, cuz lots of fire with a breathing dragon. Mm-hmm. And by the way, those metal shells you were wearing um, They're now Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so we have we have we we end up, you know, th- there's there's lots of back and forth. There's more fighting. We have this scene where Jamie starts to see just how bad things really are, mm-hmm. and Bron decides to go get the the scorpion, uh, the, scorpion weapon. the 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 crazy weapon because they you know they they tried the arrows and a bunch of little arrows went at the dra- dragon and they all kind of just got deflected oh and by the way all of those arrow men they're dust now because yeah. you know dragon fire and so Bronn does get the weapon working and he shoots at her and misses and then. He shoots at her again and hits.
1: Hits Drogon in the shoulder.
0: Now, luckily, this doesn't kill him. Mm. This doesn't doesn't uh, have them fall out of the sky out of control. But it does ground she manages them. To, it does ground them, but she manages to get in another good, uh, uh, what's that called, Dracarys? She, she says Dracarys again, and once again, we end up with uh, a, another good line of fire on people and uh, some revenge for what's happening. Now we have Dragon on the ground. Dragon with an arrow in him. Dragon flailing his tail because he's pissed. And Daenerys goes to take the arrow out of the dragon. Oh, by the way, did we mention that Tyrion's been watching from the hill? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, this wasn't like a spur of the moment thing. Everybody showed up. Right. Like and that's important. Like it's not like she just went off. Like they they made and executed a new plan and everybody came along.
1: Right. And well and, and yeah. that's, that's that plan that got cut because of the shortened season and that's how we that's another key indicator that time has passed between the taking of Highgarden and the arrival at King's Landing.
0: And from his vantage point, Tyrion can see with his incredibly good eyesight this far away that Jamie is now kind of in peril mm-hmm. and Jamie starts to make a move as if he is going to go attack Drogon, and he says under his breath flee flee you idiot but Jamie does not that is not what Jamie does Jamie is going to put an end to this and Jamie goes at the dragon and picks up a spear along the way he does he takes the spear and And as he does, he is, the the, the dragon turns to him to fire at him, and we see someone, which I assume is Bronn, who we thought was injured by now, Bronn or someone saves Jamie just in the nick of time by knocking him off his horse, and they go flying into the water, and we see Jamie sinking into the abyss of the water. Yep. End scene, end show. Yeah.
2: What'd you think of that?
0: I was exhausted. (laughs) Yeah. I was friggin' exhausted. I was telling Anthony earlier, I was yelling at my screen while so many of these scenes were happening. I was wincing out loud. I was like screaming no or whatever, you know, like, uh, and of course they, this is a battle. They show horses getting injured. They show in in the case of Braun, a, a really, uh, a, a very graphic injuring of his horse. And of course I have a big problem. Anytime they're showing any sort of violence or, or injuries with animals, this was a, a crazy good incredibly well done emotional exhausting battle scene mm-hmm. that i loved i just absolutely loved it
1: yeah and and the the killer is this is like one of the smaller scenes in this season <laughs> 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 there's there's so much more to come just this season um god i'm so excited to to hear your reaction to some of the later fights it, this is yeah. done ex- this is done exceptionally well. There's not, I mean, there's a lot of CG in it, but uh, there's more practical effects than you would give them credit for on first viewing. And then if you watch the little vignette afterwards, and it kind of explains some of the, the the tactics they used and how they filmed it and everything else. And it's just, it's just remarkable. It's amazing. It's a huge feat of cinema, cinematography. And it tells this amazing story. It's just so good. They have, wins you have losses you have triumph you have uncertainty it ends with uncertainty on on multiple fronts it's just great
2: now they're cooking with it is great dragon gas yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so also danny is a badass and if she'd get over her thing about everybody bending a fucking knee man she'd be awesome
2: yeah agree
0: Yep. So so that is pretty much it for this discussion unless anybody had any final thoughts here.
1: We did w- miss one minor detail back at Winterfell. And that's when Sansa and um the maester and Littlefinger are walking uh, along one of the one of the parapets. The maester says he'll check the records because Maester Luwin kept every raven scroll. And if you if you weren't paying attention to it, you'd totally miss it. But when he says that, Littlefinger gets a little twinkle in his eye. hmm And I just want to point yeah, that out. Yeah, so I
2: totally missed that. Yeah, it's I just, just wanna... plot, plot advancement.
1: Yeah, it's a little little foreshadowing, little plot advancement. So that'll pay off pretty quick. I don't mind spoiling that. Well, uh, uh, indicating that that's a, a plot twist.
2: Pay attention. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and it really, it goes to show just how, how important some of the minor details can be in this show with the face acting. And I know we keep going. We're just going to call this the talking face acting podcast. But yeah, Or the
2: stealing faces podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Jenny,
0: do you have any uh, additional thoughts you want to cover here?
2: No, this is just awesome. And it gets more awesome from here. And everything's awesome from here. And the season can't start soon enough for me. Oh, my God.
0: All right. So I do have two confessions I want to make. hmm So the first is that while there are many people, and believe me, the Star Wars and Star Trek universes that I enjoy uh, and that the fan base um, kind of obsesses over is filled with these, the little details like that, not only are they something like, I'm like, okay, fine. It kind of annoys me. Like, it annoys me that those details are peppered throughout in a way that if you missed it in this series in particular, you're going to potentially miss the significance of something that happens later. Mm. And that just really bugs me. Like, it pisses me off. Because it just... Just yesterday, in fact, I was I I took a long road trip yesterday and Edward and I spent some time talking about Game of Thrones and he has read the books, but will not watch the series. He has no interest in watching the series. I'm like, you know, well, come on. You know, I mean, I, I want my partner to sit down and enjoy this stuff with me that I'm enjoying. But he's he's like, yeah, it's just too much to pay attention to. And I get that. Like, I totally get that because I feel that way sometimes. Now, here's my other confession, and this may be along the lines of Game of Thrones blasphemy. I am already bored is maybe too strong of a word, but I'm kind of over the seven seasons of foreshadowing of the big bad White white Walkers. Hmm. And so... When they tell stories of John trying to solicit support from other armies because they don't necessarily believe him or they don't believe that it's an imminent threat. I almost feel that way myself because I'm like, oh, fine, the damn White Walkers. Sure, whatever.
2: Okie doke. All,
1: all, all, all <laughs> of that, that's not blasphemy. That's actually really skilled writing that is going to pay off soon.
2: Okay. Dokie I hope it does. It, it
0: will. Because it's been seven years of waiting, it, frankly. It it, it it will. And it will be amazing. And I'm glad that I didn't spend seven years waiting. I only spent about a year or so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but imagine the payoff.
1: Yeah. yeah. Th- this, yeah season, okay. this season will will pay off so many ways in
0: so many different aspects of the show. And that it- when you say this season, you mean the one we're talking about, or do you mean the one that's coming
1: season seven?
0: Both. Okay. Season all right. seven. I'm glad to hear that. Cause I don't wa- I I caution any of us about reading too much in about what we're going to get out of season eight. Yes. I hope it's awesome. I worry. Mm. So, all right. Uh, anyway, that is it for my confessions. And unless anybody has anything else, I think it's probably time to wrap us up out, out of here. And we went so long. But before we leave completely, we actually got some feedback. Um, uh, let's see real quickly. Um, Anthony, do you want to read our feedback that we received?
1: Brian Spencer wrote in and said, one. Awesome. That, that All is, right. Very cool. That is in response to Jenny requesting a few episodes ago that uh, you just write in. Let's talk about Thrones at com
0: and just hit one. Let yeah. us know you're there. In the spirit of peppering something in long ago that actually meant something and it's going to pay off later, but you got to pay attention. <laughs> we applaud you for that response. Thank you very much. <laughs>
2: Thank you. All right. So good to know people are out there. Any other winners out there? Write
0: us. <laughs> and how do
1: they do that? Let's talk about thrones at gmail.com.
0: All right. Very cool. Anthony, before you leave, how can people get in touch with you if they want to leave comments or ones for you? Twitter.
1: At Ethan King.
0: E-T-H-A-N-C-A-I-N-E. All right, awesome. And Jenny, where are you receiving ones?
2: Uh, also Twitter, but I would like to take the moment that if you see us on Twitter, J-E-N-N-I-E-J-23, or Ethan Kane, uh, you will notice that we are involved in quite an interesting show, a new podcast that we're both working on called Talking Feds. And uh, I would suggest you go to TalkingFeds.com and check it out. It is a whole bunch of really smart lawyers talking about things they know about very well that also potentially affect The United States of America. Okay.
0: That sounds very cool. I can't wait to listen myself because I have been very excited about this since I first heard that it was happening. So for me, if you want to reach to me, you can send me ones at Twitter as well on the Twitter name Richard Gunther. And that is going to be it for us talking about Thrones. We will talk with you next time. Bye. Later dragon <laughs> <laughs>